support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio. A student-operated, non-commercial radio station, KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime to KUST at Mixer.com slash KUST radio. Welcome to Cold Facts, Hot Takes. In this podcast, we will discuss pop culture and pop culture conspiracy theories and the cases around them. Today, we're talking about the Amityville Horror House and all the infamous theories that have followed it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tommy Media's Cold Facts, Hot Takes. I'm your host, May McFarlane, with... Leslie Todd Warden. And today, we're going to talk to you guys about one of the most iconic horror stories, the Amityville Horror. We'll be talking about the haunting, the lies, and the messed up origins story that started it all. Hey everyone, welcome back to Cold Facts Hot Takes. It's your girl May here with Elijah today. We're going to be exploring the, you know, infamous infamous world of the empty horror. And I think that this is one of my personal favorite horror stories. Yeah. And the fact that it's just like Long Islanders, kind of mob ties. You know, there's this family drama, there's legal drama, there's haunting. And the fact that this, like, story that kind of just came out of a drunk night, as we'll learn later on, kind of set up the world for the rest of, like, horror for the late 20th century and obviously early 21st century. But I think that, like... I guess Elijah, like our generation's like yeah. biggest knowing about this is that the conjuring is based loosely on this. Wait, wait, frills? Yeah. It is that big. Wow. Yeah, so okay. It's the conjuring is loosely based on it. It's one of the stories that the conjuring's based on, from my understanding. But so I guess we'll get into it. And like I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about the origin story that came up with Amityville Horror, the book, the movie. But this is the origin story. Mm. So, we're going to take it all the way back to the 70s. Oof. I That's know. That's time. That's time. <laughs> That's real time. <laughs> okay, so Elijah, listen to this. Yeah. On November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. entered Harry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and claimed his family had been shot to death. This is something kind of crazy, just to walk into a bar and say. But apparently it was their neighborhood bar, super close to their house. And this takes place in Amityville, Long Island, which is kind of a bougie place on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Long Island, um, right in the ocean, right on the coast and everything. But Ronnie, as he goes by, Ronnie Jr. Ronnie. Ro- Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, with my money. It makes me think of Jersey Shore. It does. <laughs> Ronnie, what you doing, buddy? Yeah, literally. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's like who these people are. But... Um, Ronnie says that his whole family's been shot, and later on he maintained that his family had been victims of a mob hit. His dad had ties loosely through um, his like car dealership that he owned, allegedly. But his testimony broke down under scrutiny. He was kind of pressured. Um, and the next day he confessed to being the perpetrator behind the slayings. And so this is awful. But he ended up killing his whole family, both of his parents, and his four siblings, two boys and two girls. And he was the oldest. Um, Yeah, it's awful. But after mounting an unsuccessful insanity defense, um, Ronnie was found guilty of six counts of murder, 
on November 21st, 1975. So just about a year later, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty fast turnaround in cases like this. But he was eventually sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life, which is, you know, a pretty standard um, sentencing. But something that I think is kind of interesting about Ronnie and his whole thing is that Ronnie was kind of a child of the 70s and did a lot of drugs and drank and he um allegedly like heard voices that night because he had been on acid and other drugs throughout the day and like that was his defense was oh i heard voices to tell me to do this and i think we should mention this i found out today march 15th that ron jr ronnie Died last Friday, March twelfth, twenty twenty one. I lost my mind because I I know I knew he was alive, you know, this yeah, whole yeah, time. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I better check. I mean, he's sixty nine, seventy, and it was the first headline that popped up, and I was like, okay, this is the time for this episode. <laughs> we should be doing this. We got we got to rush on it. We got to go we on. Got, it. We got to get moving. Mm-hmm. You know? But during his time. Um, in Fallsburg, New York. He was at a the Sullivan Correctional Facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, he changed his story about like six or seven different times. Um, and a lot of them had to do with his sister, Dawn. So the eldest daughter, Dawn, I believe she was like two or three years younger than him. Mm-hmm. He claims that she was the one who wanted to kill everyone. That he went along with it because he agreed with her. And in a jailhouse interview in 2006, he claimed that he only killed his father and his mother and then Don. And he said that Don killed the little boys and the younger sister. And that he killed her subsequently. And then he lives. But, uh, yeah, it's super complicated. And, you know, who knows the truth? Yeah, Um, it's giving me, like, I'm getting, like, laps in my head thinking about it because it's like... He's, he's going in. Or he can say whatever he wants now. It's not like Don's going to come back and testify, right? Exactly. Well, and that's the difficult thing because I didn't include this in our little outline script or anything, but there's a lot of conflicting stories on Don's relationship with their parents, her relationship with her friends, and that, like, there's possibly a boyfriend that she wanted to move out with, but she was, like, 17, so her parents were like, no. And apparently that was what caused her anger towards them. And Ronnie was like, you know what? Sure. Like, let's do it. Like, there's a lot of that, but it's a lot of conflicting information. But this story is what inspires the Amityville horror, which is what we all know um, from the 1977 book, the Amityville horror by Jay Anson. But this story is very different than what the book and subsequent movie tells us. So we're gonna get into that now. Thank you to Devani's Pizza and Hot Hoagies for sponsoring Cold Facts Hot Takes. Visit the Twin Cities original locations for legendary pizza and hot hoagies. For more information, visit Devani's.com. Okay, so welcome back. We're going to talk about what the Amityville Horror is. So, Elijah, do you kind of want to get into all of that stuff for us? Yeah. So, 
Amityville Horror. It's based, um, Jansen wrote a book in 1977. Um, so it's supposed to be like reported events based on the information given to him from the Lutzes, who is the family that moved into the house um, in the 70s after this whole thing goes down. They get the house kind of cheap because... Mm -hmm. I would expect the house to be kind of cheap at that point. Yeah, um, I, I would too. And I heard that they moved in like three months after the whole thing like went down, like after the investigation was done. Like they went in there. Wow. <laughs> but New Yorkers, man. New Yorkers. New Yorkers. <laughs> they get the book. They, he has this information for all these reporters that are going down um, from like the complaints that the Lutzes give to like mm -hmm. police and stuff like that. Um, becomes a bestseller because it's a cult classic at that point. Everyone wants to like read about horror stuff. Um, so because of this, a bunch of um horror aficionados decided to come to Amityville. Um, I would love to do that. A little haunted vacation. Yeah, haunted vacation. Like um, they'll go to like the Versace house or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do all that kind of stuff. I think that'd be so fun. Well, and I guess this is a little later. I just looked it up, but in the 80s, Poltergeist came out. Mm -hmm. And so Amityville Horror kind of started that a haunting, like, genre, really. Mm -hmm. I think that Amityville Horror, like, the book was the first, like, tangible like piece that people could own in their own homes of, like, experiencing a haunting. Yeah, It was, like, for through sure. reading that. And I think that kind of got us into the wave we're in now. I mean, I love some good scary I mean, scary do you, movies. Do you also think that this could have like started the uh the whole like idea of like like discovering like the past of your house? Yeah, right? I think a lot of people I think people were doing that like, oh, who lived here? Who's whose yeah. stuff is this? What's in our basement? But I think that like having a famous house was kind of becoming a new thing. Yeah, like moving into a an abandoned house or a murder scene was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, and apparently uh, the stepfather from that family mm -hmm. had the same sort of idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, George uh, Lutz. Yeah, George Lutz uh, like had a history of dabbling in that kind of stuff, so mm -hmm. it makes sense that someone who's drawn to that kind of thing would buy a house, I suppose. For sure. Um, kind of gives me, um, what's that one movie with um, Ethan Hawke? Oh, I have no idea. Um, it's the one where, like they have the photos and like the guy with the mask in there and like. I'm blanking, Elijah. Yeah, no, it's. Oh, but yeah, like that movie, it gives me that kind of vibes with the whole history of the house. Like you get cursed oh, from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, George, uh, our main protagonist in this storyline, you know. Um, Antagonist, if you're asking me. <laughs> but. So he was said to wake up at like three fifteen in the morning. Um. The witching hour. Really? Which is the same time, apparently, that Ronnie, our boy, did some murders. <laughs> That's actually, like, accurate, though, to the time of death of the DeFeos. Like, they're, like, they died, mid, like, early morning, like, before dawn. So yeah. that that's kind of spooky. And I don't know if that was public information back then. I don't know if, like, people could access that information, like, police reports and everything. So yeah. I'll get into that later. My questioning theories like every morning though that's like, so uh, i feel like if you did that like you would get like a that's sort of like a placebo effect though mm -hmm. like if you did it like if you like moved in uh with george who knew about this apparently and was like i want to uh experience some sort of occult stuff 
like I would feel like you kind of I think maybe and not even so like I want to experience it that kind of like deeper mind like you um you aren't doing it on purpose but your brain is like oh here's this let's interpret it this way yeah you know it's um that deeper like interpretation of things that like unintentional that's the word I'm thinking of like okay I think a lot of coincidences that he was like oh this is what this is that kind of thing yeah, he's adding coincidences to being like. Well, and I guess this is kind of is. off of that, but what you're kind of talking about, like people who believe in aliens and stuff, their brain is like more open to seeing UFOs or like mm. believing mm-hmm. in hauntings. And like if you're open to it, it'll come to you, allegedly. Like that's kind of the um, popular science for that kind of thing. Like if you yeah. believe in ghosts, you're more likely to have. A supernatural experience yeah kind of thing your, oh, see. your energy is allowing it because oh. all of it's energy based that's the science yeah. <laughs> it, you know heavy air quotes around there but i mean it is a science but maybe he was just open to it yeah unintentionally and these kind of things happened and speaking going off of the whole science thing mm-hmm. something that goes completely against it Ugh. um they the entire family claimed to smell strange orders which makes sense for, like... An old house. Yeah. But they saw green slime oozing out of the walls, which isn't normal for an old house. No, it's not. Um, it's not normal for any house. Um, and keyholes and, like, they would come out of the walls. It's green slime. It's green ooze. So gross. A little bit nasty. Um, and then they experienced cold spots um, in certain areas of the house, which is a horror classic. Yeah, which is... and Well, I mean, in, like, Ghost Hunters and all that stuff... It's the um, thermo technology shows you where a ghost is because it's colder in one spot or super hot in another spot. Um, But okay, this is my favorite part, which I think is so funny. A priest came to like bless the house, which is super normal. Actually, like my sister did this when she moved into her house, just as a little house blessing. But Mm. a priest came to their house and allegedly he heard a voice scream, get out at him as he was trying to bless one of the bedrooms. And he told the Lutzes never to sleep in that particular room in the house because bad things would happen. But that's one of the like largely contested yeah. things is that priest's encounter because he didn't even go. He Apparently didn't. he didn't go. That's, yeah, well, again, we'll get into that in a minute. Lutzes, I'm calling cat. Oh. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so there's some other paranormal activity that went down nearby garage door opening and closing that happens regardless I, yeah. I my old house we had a garage door that just opened and closed based on like you could like bump it like in your purse like my mom would mm-hmm. bump like her purse and then the garage door would open well mine opens like it'll close it and then if the sun is shining in the right spot it'll hit the sensor and it'll shoot the oh. the door back up because the light's shining in the sensor but, I mean, back in the 70s, they didn't have that necessarily. But, no. yeah, I think that was an interesting one. Another one is the pig-like creature with red eyes staring at the kids at night. That one has been, like, disproven completely because apparently it was a cat that, like, to sleep in, that would get up in the tree. <laughs> like, their neighbors had yeah, a cat yeah. that would get up in the tree, and, like, the kids would see it at night and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, no, because... I feel like that's with everyone though. Like everyone has their like like their uh, 
animal that their like parents would tell them like would, like watch over them. Like for my mom, it was um yeah. uh she had this uh I forget the name of it, but it was like some sort of big black dog. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they like. Uh, I'd be like staring out of my window and back in my bedroom. And you'd see it. And yeah. I'd just see like the shadow of it. And I'm like, that's just like placebo. Like it's just the trees moving in, in a certain way. But mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a dog. It's not a dog. Um, yeah, it's just a shadow. And yeah. I mean, kids are so impressionable. And I think that, like I said earlier, but living in a house with children, they're impressionable. You're also impressionable. That's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just setting your kids up to be scared for nothing at that mm-hmm. point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, um, getting into this, that, uh, going off of that, I guess, uh, we'll get into kind of the, like, backlash that the Lutzes experienced. Um, their son, Daniel, who lives in Queens now, um, he claims that the house ruined his life and that he continues to have nightmares. So he's holding this truth on even mm. later on into his life. So I think that has to say something, but it can also go back into what we were just talking about and how children are impressionable and, you know, they could have had real fear in that moment, mm-hmm. but maybe that fear was based off of fear and not off of fact. Yeah, because, like, their their father and their mother are going off trying to really push this um mm-hmm. story. that The story that becomes a bestseller, too. It's yeah. not just, like something that like gets blown off it's like in the news people are coming to see this kind of stuff happen yeah at that point anything that happens it can be considered out of the ordinary even like a door closing slower than normal i'm gonna try to associate with um uh some sort of supernaturalness because everyone around me is saying that there's some supernatural stuff going on exactly it it's all about the association and like i said earlier the how impressionable you are and how willing you are to yeah. take that kind of thing in. And so in that case, the house did ruin his life. I'm not going to deny that. No, but. yeah. I th- well, I think being associated with that family even and that story, mm-hmm. um, positive and negative cultural responses. But yeah. a lot of people question the lots of story. And after telling their story, George and Kathy took a lie detector test, however, to prove their innocence, and they passed. So maybe, like we said, maybe they believed what was happening. Yeah. But um, since it is kind of, you know, a haunting, people don't want to believe that. But the couple was bogged down in legal and financial issues leading up to that point. And a lot of people, like, were skeptical about this because they thought maybe this was a motive to create the haunting Mm -hmm. to get financial support out of it. And their lawyer, their former lawyer, excuse me, William Weber who actually fell out of touch with them because of money issues, came out in 79 claiming that the three of them came up with the horror story over, quote, over many bottles of wine. Huh. So, you know, I mean, it's a great story. Yep. That's where many fictional stories come out of, you know? (laughs) Yeah, a couple Uh, glasses of wine. Yeah. um, Stress from your life. I mean, I've, again, like I said earlier, People that are impressionable and open to the idea of hauntings will take things from their lives. And a lot of these, like, things, and we see it in a lot of, like, other supernatural cases, um, that, like, people take stressors in their life and express mm. it in these other kinds of ways to, like, find, a, like, a reason for things to be happening. Yeah. It's a subconscious blame, in a way. And I don't understand, like, the um, the hate that they're getting over this. 
I think I, it's because they made so much money. Yeah, well, like... I mean, if it was, like, one newspaper article about it, I don't think people yeah. would be hating on them. But I think because this is the time where this religion oh, is really important yeah, in America. Yeah. Um, you know, the devil, you know, capital D, everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was fresh in America's minds. There was a lot of, like, evangelical Christian influence and politics and everything. This was the time of Reagan and everything, too, yeah. Like, just was... around there, yeah. And so it was just... Everyone was kind of like picking for a fight, and if you were saying anything that was going against religion or popular opinion on religion and all that kind of things, it's just even the mention of the devil or supernatural was going against that. So I think that's why they got a lot of hate. Because, yeah, like this, like what I'm seeing is um, at, you know, at worst, uh, you know evil incarnate taking over a mm-hmm. house you know kind of give it some uh give it some pressure but um at best it's just like a a family trying to make do with what they can at yeah. of a hard time well i think it's just unfortunate that you know a whole family was murdered and if the lutzes did make all this up they took advantage of that they definitely did and, I was and they took too, advantage you know. of you know ronnie defeo and his mental illness, and like, I mean, it's undiagnosed mental illness. He tried mm-hmm. for that insanity plea, and it didn't work, so they couldn't diagnose him after that. Yeah, ale- uh, allegedly. But it's just one of those things that like, they took a tragedy. Yeah, that's and what I do see. completely flipped it for their own sympathy and financial gain, and that's what bothers me about it. I mean, it's a fantastic story. Fantastic movie mm-hmm. for that time. There's a movie? Oh, two movies. Huh. Yeah, there's multiple movies. One of the the newest one came out in two thousand five. I just knew about the book. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the book is like a cult classic. Yeah. Which I think is I think that people's like excitement and fear of the paranormal is really what like inspired this. I wonder if they read that Ronnie DeFeo was playing like paranormal activity to get him to do it. And so they would run and run with it. I think that's a very valid, implausible thing. Especially with a turnaround in three months. Yeah. It was less than, it was two years after his conviction that the book came out. It was 77, I believe. And then with that, like them moving in so quickly after the murder Mm -hmm. happened, where it's just like, there's ought to be some I do, bad, like, I do have vibes. to see, like, some, like, there has to be some extra thought taken into consideration. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there was another house for sale. Well, they uh, were facing financial issues. And so this true. house was... And it is having a, a house in Yeah, in Amityville for however cheap they got it. I saw a bunch of different numbers. But that's worth it. I mean... Yeah, I can... I think s- them having the priest come in was what they thought was a solution. You know, get all the bad vibes out. Yep. It's going to be our home, all these things. Uh, hmm. But, yeah, that was the Amityville Horror, the story and the origin story. And I don't know. I I think it's just one of the most interesting true crime paranormal stories because it has a little bit of both. You know, there's yeah. that true crime aspect and just a good story. Good, a really good horror story. Yeah. Um, one of the OGs. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, Elijah and I's sources today come from biography.com, allthingsinteresting.com, historyversushollywood.com, Oxygen, and the New York Post. So thank you all for tuning in to Colfax Hot Takes. If you guys want to hear any more episodes or learn anything more about St. Thomas, sports, news, and all things about that, check out TommyMedia.com. And for Colfax Hot Takes, I'm A. McFarland with my co-host, Elijah Todd Walden. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Peace.